0: It's Tuesday, September 1st, 2020, and you're listening to episode 550 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is one hour and eight minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. My name's is Jeff. All right, so today we're going to talk about a topic that may or may not become directly relevant to the show depending on where exactly we go with the actual play because obviously the skies of glass actual play is going to be winding up soon and we've got a bunch of thoughts about how we're going to improve things for the next ap because this was kind of a learning experience and so we're going to be adding in things like intro music plot recaps a reminder of who's playing what character, just so people don't have to follow the whole thing to know, know where they're at. We got a bunch of ideas, but obviously part of that is we're going to be changing games and we're going to be starting some polls over on Patreon to begin slowly narrowing down what it is we're going to be playing. So if you're interested in getting involved in that, please be sure to subscribe over at Patreon. I believe Tastemakers is the $1 level. It is. So you ain't got to back a whole lot in there to get involved in that.
1: And the Tastemakers also make taste on more than just the AP as well. There are polls of what we do on the show, topics, that sort of thing. A lot of uh, con line, fear the con stuff too. Yeah, just random polls that'll come out. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
0: so whenever we want to bounce something off the audience, that's where we go. And also, if you want to listen to Fear the Boot's actual plays, we currently have three of them going. One is the Skies of Glass one, and then Chris is doing two, I believe both of which are Deadlands games. But if you want to hear any of those, they can be found at ap.feartheboot.com. Not www, just ap for actual play, and I'll link that in the show notes. All right, but the skies of glass one is coming to an end. It's got a handful of more episodes left. And then it's like sp- five years minimum. Five <laughs> years. Well, I you know, I tell you, what keeps screwing me up is the fact that always think I have a good count, but then you guys will take a session and do a lot of heavy RP. And it's great, but the amount of ground I still have left to cover didn't change. Mm-hmm. Well, so, and
2: you plan a whole game session, and then we'll show up late, and then we'll chat and chat and chat and chat, and then we'll start, and yeah. that can't be helping either.
0: No, well, that are the times that one Brandon in particular hmm. bounces last minute on me. So, But in talking about the next AP that we're going to run, we threw around a couple of games, and you'll see these in the poll, but we threw around a couple of games, some of which involve having a structured and organized group. And I don't mean structured, organized, like they have a group template. That's a given in our games. I mean, we're talking like military command structures, social command structures, or in the case of what we're going to talk about today, we're going to narrow this down even farther to a bridge crew. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about a spaceship. We're not talking about a naval ship. We're not talking about a boat. We're talking about a spaceship here. And we are talking about the bridge crew of that spaceship. And there are at least two games that I run quite frequently that always require a bridge crew to be assembled, or usually require a bridge crew to be assembled. So this is one I have been dealing with in many campaigns, going all the way back to the very first campaign I ever ran. Back in... Maps
1: ni- and markers. Yeah, and-
0: maps and markers and Chad's and Darren's <laughs> and Texas and Neil's and all kinds of crazy things. Back in 1988, and I know some of you listening weren't even born back then, but <laughs> we ran a Star Trek game as our very first campaign ever, and that required assembling a bridge crew. And I've played the game many times since with substantially more maturity and... <laughs> all the other things that game was lacking. So I've got a ton of thoughts on this, and I'm hoping these guys too, so I'm not going to be just monologuing, but we're going to talk about what it takes if you're running that or any other game that needs a bridge crew. Another example is my homebrew Epoch of a homebrew hard sci-fi far future game. If you're running something that's like I don't know if you're running like an aliens type game and you're doing it on a ship, working out the crew of the ship or the space station. It's a works about the same having the right person in the right position, doing the right job. Some other obvious game examples would be like rogue trader, which is a 40 K spinoff game where you place. I think it's smugglers or something mm-hmm. to that effect traveler, which is also a sci-fi game, which often not always once again but often requires a bridge crew to be assembled
2: you could play a jump ship in BattleTech and need a bridge crew yeah i don't know why you'd want to
0: do that well but there are there are fully structured rules for it. how you finance it how you fund it what the technology is like what the skills are like what the crew is like they have shockingly detailed rules i'm telling you i could run a game of BattleTech as a moisture farmer Yes, I I seriously could. They have economics (laughs) rules in there. Yeah. I could run a Battletech game where either A, you never see a battle mech, or B, if you do, it's just this thing that's kind of painted into the background. Mm -hmm. It's really not a part of the game. It's not something you ever encounter in any meaningful way.
2: If I ever run a space campaign that Chad's in, they're going to find a moisture farm where everyone's been slaughtered (laughs) on every planet.
1: Sounds familiar. Sure, you're not ripping off Star Wars there, Wayne? <laughs> yeah, you know, It is Every ironic planet. too,
0: because you know what they did to the moisture farm?
1: They slaughtered them. No, well, uh, yes. Yeah. But do you remember how they slaughtered them? How?
0: Well, they shot them. Yeah. But after that, they burned the moisture farm. Wow. They didn't even drain it. Man, that's like... I mean, on you know, a desert planet. Water. Yeah, exactly. On yeah. a desert planet, don't you think you'd either drain it... It's just like throwing sand at them. I place. mean, are you are the authorities? Couldn't you just say, oh... These people were criminals and got evicted. We're going to give this to some crime lord that we've got ends with. Mm-hmm. So at least it keeps producing water, which keeps the world functional. I mean, the Empire, look, for all their problems, the trains ran on time. <laughs> but did they? I don't know. I mean, people seem to show up where they're expected to. I mean, there were, mm-hmm. I don't remember any plot point that came down to someone in the Empire was not where they were supposed to be because the <laughs> ship or the train like cannot... make a really bad movie
1: <laughs> where the hell is vader the rebels are getting away it was a
0: plot point in star trek 2 was it yeah where uh two people were talking on an elevator and then when it opens bones yells at them who the hell's been holding up the damn elevator <laughs> and when we were little kids watching that movie that just cracked us up i mean we just could not stop laughing at <laughs> that but anyway All right, so that's what
2: we're talking about Mm -hmm. today. Why is it that the only position people seem to struggle with and talk about when picking out the bridge crew is the captain? They're the ones who tell the others what to do in addition to the game master. Yeah, but you never have like people debating on first officer. I never hear that. It's always just the captain. Because first officer is second best.
0: Yeah, what's the second place winner?
1: Yeah.
2: First
0: place loser.
1: And really, what does the first officer do? I mean, it's like the vice president. You don't have a real job you just gonna sit there yeah say so the, the all right so wait i'm gonna give captain you i think shot
0: i know you're asking not literally but you're asking to start conversation exactly uh, so i see this but i want you to know i appreciate this <laughs> so <laughs> I, I i can give you two answers as to and no we didn't prep this pre-show this really <laughs> a, we're just understand each other this well but i can give you two answers as to why people start with captain is first of all it is not only the most obvious position, but is the position that most obviously affects everyone. And
2: people either really want to be captain or they really don't want to be captain. And they, I don't see a lot of in between. And a lot of times the people that really want to be captain are the people that you don't want to be captain. Well, that's that's the other thing, is it carries the most responsibility and the most
0: impact. So well, this there's... is the, the man or woman that's going to be telling people what to do. And this is the person who more than anyone else other than the game master, their decisions are going to decide whether this game works out or totally sucks. Well, here's the
1: thing. The people that want to be the captain are the people that other people don't want to be captain. But they'll be the effective captain because they're motivated and they take charge and they make decisions. Maybe not good decisions. Maybe terrible decisions. Maybe they boss people around. Maybe that sucks. All true. But the people who don't want to be captain are the people everyone wants to be captain and they're the worst captains yeah they are and because they're not motivated they don't boss people around they don't make decisions because they don't want to i realize this is
0: gonna you know date me here a bit like something's dating me
1: (laughs) (laughs) i was actually trying to formulate that joke in my head you're well. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, I'm, you. I'm I'm yeah, there for you. That was a good one. That, okay, that's better you. than anything I yeah, had. Yeah, I'm so. there for you. Yeah, but at least your girlfriends aren't though.
0: But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they are. Believe me, they have been no good for me. <laughs> but uh, anyway, they not they. I don't want to get into that. Not here. <laughs> Maybe uh, we keep talking about doing this crossover with Happy Jacks, where Stu Venable and I are just going to tear on this. <laughs> but we'll do. That's a different show. But the point being mm-hmm. that. In 32 years of doing this, so 32 years of setting up Bridge Cruise, I have found that what Chad says is absolutely right, that one of the instincts that a lot of players have is they want to put someone in captain who seems very out of type for it because they think they're doing them a favor. Mm-hmm. They think that by putting in this relatively timid, quiet, backseat person that it's going to force them to come out of their shell that it's going to force them to be something they're usually not, that it's going to get people listening to them and paying attention to what they say. Or
1: if the person's quiet and maybe is a step back in their role-playing personality, then they're not going to boss people around. Yeah, yeah. That's the point of being the captain. You give orders via delegation. There's authority that rolls out. And
0: I'll tell you right now, it has never once worked. Right. I, in many of my games have had people come to me, and I've bought into it. Mm-hmm. and Because it sounds, it, it, it sounds great right. on paper. Yeah.
1: You have of, a player who is a timid role player, and you put them in the position that shines the spotlight on them. It's trial by fire, and it motivates them to really turn into George Washington. I mean, it... It doesn't happen. It, do, it doesn't. Yeah. It really
0: doesn't Yeah, not. and all that happens is a bunch of things, none of which are good. The person that you put in the captain's seat... Well, then d- yeah, let Give Me an example,
1: it doesn't have to be a real example, just make it no. Right. I'll, give you, I'll Somebody, give you a real example. Let's say we have a role playing game group, we have a person who is more timid player. Yeah, the group decides they're the captain. Give me an overview of what happens,
0: yeah. And I'm thinking here, I could actually give you real examples, except I'm not sure I want to start calling out names, right? I mean, these aren't scandalous no, stories, no, no, you just don't but, want to put anybody down, yeah. But so, just all right, so let me paint, just paint me a picture, all right? Here so, here's what, here's what happens. So, first of all. The person, if they even accept the role, and that right there is a huge fight. Oftentimes, they are not at all comfortable in the role. They don't want to play it. They are super self-conscious. They are stuck in the metagame. They're not playing the game. They are stuck in the quandary of, am I doing this right? Because I don't know what right is. Mm -hmm. It doesn't come naturally to them. Maybe they're unfamiliar with the genre. Maybe they've never even watched a... Episode of Battlestar Galactica or Star Trek or any of this stuff, and they don't understand what it is they're supposed to be yeah.
2: using that as the example. I point back to our BattleTech game. I was put as the leader of the BattleTech mercenary group. Right when I don't know the setting, so I kept looking to everyone else. a to give, player, too. yeah. So I was looking to everyone else to give me the advice from the setting standpoint, and made some really stupid decisions that led to the destruction of our dropship, the death of a character. And I personally don't want to be the leader or the captain in most games because I've spent a lot of time in management in my real life. Mm -hmm. I have no problem stepping up and being a leader. I don't want that official position or title.
0: Yeah, and so I I think that's the first thing that happens. They get stuck in the metagame. They're not playing the game. They're playing the metagame of am I right for this role? Do I know what I'm doing? Am I being effective? Now, even if they're not doing that, even if they're being confident and in character, they don't know how to resolve disputes. They don't have the strength of personality to overrule loud players. They don't know what to do when they're confronted with real tension. Maybe two people at the table, even perfectly in character, are starting to bicker and argue, and they don't know how to separate these people. Or someone's behaving completely out of line, and they don't know... How, in character. In character. Right. They don't know how to discipline this person and put them in the brig for the next 30 minutes of gameplay or to do something to say, hey, one more like this and you're getting demoted to a different position or something like that. They don't know how to handle that. They don't know how to be the person that's has to make the unpopular decisions. Mm-hmm. And they don't feel comfortable doing this. Or when it comes time to delegate authority, they go to one of the two extremes. I'm the captain. Every buck stops at my desk and they do it all and it doesn't work. Nobody else is playing the game or it goes to them and they panic and they delegate everything to the point that their office is meaningless. And I, as a game master usually have to do a lot to coddle this person or to throw NPCs in there that are constantly giving them advice
1: and when I've seen that, I've seen Dan do the NPC thing. And what it turns into is the NPC of authority turns into the authority. Yes. And not through Dan just grabbing hold of the situation, but because I don't want to do, be in this position. This NPC is doing everything. I'm just going to delegate everything.
2: Yeah. Over. Well, there's more to being captain than just being in charge and command. Right. There is a leadership aspect that's needed from that role. And even if someone is comfortable giving commands, they have to be able to motivate the rest of the players. Yeah, exactly. They
0: have to motivate the players. They have to capture a sense of dignity, a sense of pride. They have to inspire people. They have to be able to do things like send folks to their death or send folks to save other folks, maybe even people they don't like or don't agree with, to get behind causes they don't believe in because that's what the mission is. whatever the case may be, and if I'm not playing the omnipresent NPC, like a first officer or the ship's counselor who's giving them tips, and they become the de facto authority, then what's my other way in? Well, effectively, I do the same thing to them that would be needed to control the party, that I start giving them marks because they aren't captaining correctly mm-hmm. so their reviews start coming back negatively well now they're even more stressed out about right. the position
1: and they didn't want this in the first yeah place. and they didn't want this in the first place it, it just marie cano thing you know does this position bring you joy yeah no
2: it doesn't and <laughs> could you have an interesting game where you had that conversation ahead of time and someone wanted to be a captain that doesn't want to be captain okay they have failed up into the position and by design he- the character is so not way good at their job.
1: Working is someone who, in real life, wants the captain position and is making the character ineffective for the captain because of this agreed upon thing. Yeah, or right. they, someone who's maybe very effective but is very hesitant. It's just like an artist drawing something. It's really good because they're an artist, and then they purposely draw something bad. Like they do really well at making it look bad yeah. right you know instead of just scribbling
2: yeah i still think you need somebody who is capable of doing the leadership thing right. and is good in that role yep but i think that could they know be the mistakes a, to make that could be an interesting game say, Absolutely. I,
0: I will say i am a big fan of both the right character and the right player being in the role but it is easier to work with the right player who has the wrong character mm-hmm. because at least the metagame doesn't start to break down People don't start having issues at the table. They don't start having crises of confidence. They don't stop having fun with the game. And there are things you can do with the character. Character advancement's there for a reason. You know, or them trying to figure out that they need to delegate more and do less. Or like Wayne's saying, it's an interesting story. Yeah, of the person who has no right to be in Mm -hmm. charge. And either they rise to the moment or they fail or a mutiny occurs. Yeah. Which is
1: all interesting stories.
0: These are all interesting stories. The other thing I have found that does work, and I want you to think of this just like any other command structure. I don't care what you saw in the first of the reboot of the Star Trek movies. Do you know who makes the best next captain? The person that was kind of right below that level to begin with? So someone who maybe wasn't all the way there, but for them it's a step up. It's not a jump from ends into Captain or whatever it was they did with Kirk and that that movie. You know, it's not a jump from the bottom of the barrel to the top of the barrel. It's an incremental step up. Someone that I would describe as being command adjacent in their personality. example I'll give you, and I'll name the person, because this is actually a fairly flattering one, and given who I'm going to flatter here, you know I mean it, which is that in a Star Trek game I was running, we ran two parts. There was one that was set in my preferred era, which is the original movie era. So the red uniforms with the black pants and the white turtlenecks and whatever. And some things happened and the crew ended up kind of lost and captured and all this stuff. And they asked me if instead of picking up from that cliffhanger, there's a lot of people interested in playing next gen. So like when we skip forward 80 years to next gen or whatever it was, we are now going to play the same plot as it's occurring 80 years later, but we're going to rediscover all of this and find that original crew. I mean, there's other things they were doing. I mean, Star Trek, you go on many missions, right? But at some point, we're going to encounter this again. It's going to be a recurring problem, a recurring enemy. And so I was like, yeah, we can do that. And in that game, the captain switched to being Carla. Now, Carla on her own, is not great command material because she gets super flustered. She feels pressured. She feels or appears to feel insecure. And she doesn't make the best command material. But I realize that she's got the skill. She has the strength of presence. She's got a strong enough personality. This is someone who's one shot of whiskey from being a good captain. (laughs) She's not a drinker, not a heavy one. So it's like, okay, my metaphorical shot of whiskey aside. Well, what is the metaphorical shot of whiskey? How do I push her over the edge? So she made an ask of me, which the moment I'm heard, I'm like, this is perfect. Because she knows Star Trek. She loves Star Trek. She's a huge Star Trek fan. There was no lack of comfort with the setting. Next gen's her favorite era. So she's right in her home there. And she had 75 to 90% of what it takes to be a captain. How do I grease that remaining 25 to 10% to get her from a first officer mentality to a captain mentality? And the reason or the, the method came in a request she made. She asked me, could she play someone that was, I don't know if it was Klingon or half Klingon, who was raised in Federation space and was a Federation officer and became the captain. And suddenly that became the liquid courage because whatever insecurity she had playing the Klingon masked that because part of playing a Klingon is they're big, they're gruff, they're tough. They don't show weakness. They don't let people push them around. And she's enough into the universe and the character. She got that. And the one point where she really started to slip, God bless the dice, <laughs> And bless God who blesses the dice, because they were on my side. There was a scene where a bunch of regular Klingons from an exchange came over onto the ship. Oh, I hate Klingon exchange. (laughs) And they don't wear deodorant. Well, no, these are like command crew. (laughs) And immediately, like this entourage, like two or three of them. But of course, they can't all come at once because that's dishonorable. So one of them decides to stand up and basically tell her. That she's a, uh, I don't know, some insult in Klingon or German. Because Schmetterling. Yeah, she's a Schmetterling. That's German for butterfly. Not much of an, well, I guess for Klingon that oh, would yeah. be an insult. Yeah. Yeah. bok chaw, schmetterling And <laughs> and so. cabbage. <laughs> I, I don't know. Nobody knows what's going on. No. And they get in this big argument and he's basically down downing her in front of the other Klingons that she's supposed to be impressing he's insulting her in front of her own command staff and basically berating her for being weak because she's been around these humans too long and she couldn't make it in a real Klingon ship and she's weak and da 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 and all these relevant insults. And she was just freaked out because she didn't have... It's like, what if I lose and I don't have the hand-to-hand abilities and da-da-da-da-da. And I said, Carla, just just play the same. And it, it took a little bit of metagame nudging, but finally she played the scene And all dice were rolled on the table. This guy could not roll success to save his life, despite having all the skills. And even though her hand to hand skills were
2: minimal, she could not stop rolling critical successes. Terrible Klingon. And so, the (laughs) head first isn't the Klingon that's on the ship supposed to just be there to be knocked out first to show how big and bad the bad guy really is? Yeah, Yeah. no, he this she beat his ass.
0: And so you she know to roll of quarters. I mean, I don't remember who did the opening headbutt, but then after that, man, she just curb stomped him. <laughs> I mean, she, every swing he missed, and she would break another bone, and she just stomped this dude. And suddenly, here's this captain who tried to get all swole in front of his command staff. And now she has put him down in front of both her command staff and his. And so his position is destroyed. And here she is rolling boss as the Klingon she's supposed to be. And, you know, it's like, okay, now can we get down to discussing things like, I don't know, proper bok choy or whatever. (laughs) You know, it worked, right? But my point is of the story, someone command adjacent can be pushed into the role. Someone on the opposite side of the circle, please don't do it. It doesn't work.
1: Mm -hmm. That's what I've seen, too. I mean, I'm sure that there's people who would email us and stuff and say, Oh, well, we had this shy person and making them command of the ship, you know, really brought them out and stuff. And honestly... I've been gaming since I was, like, look, 13. YouTube <laughs> is full of videos of
0: you know, improbable things being caught yeah. on camera. Well, it's yeah. one of those things. Where I'm th- sure it happened.
2: We've all right. seen it in real life, I'm sure, in our careers at one point or another. Someone that you didn't think was good for a role got put in the role and excelled and did incredibly well. And we've also seen someone who we didn't think was good for the role get put in the role and fell flat on their face.
1: And honestly, I've seen
2: more of that. Yep. But it's possible it can go either way. Uh, Yes. It's just more likely they're going to fall flat.
1: Now, let's talk about the other side here. Getting the right person and the right character into the role of captain. Like, what does that look like? Paint that picture for me. So
0: how does that tend to go? Yeah. The right character is fairly easy to plan out, especially if you know the game. Mm. Because you know the skills you need to take. You know the backgrounds you need to take. You know the perks you need to take. Or at least ones that will get you in the ballpark. And ninety-nine percent of times, unless your GM's an ass, they'll tell you if you ask. And in fact, in Star Trek, it's kind of simpler than that because not only can I recommend skills, but the, in their life path thing, there is a particular school for people that are headed first to branch officer, you know, like department head, but then also to actually be the captain. You know, and that, that has a particular train of education that gives you huge bonuses to the right skills but in terms of getting the right player so i'm not even talking jason now i'm going to talk this is the person at the 12 o'clock position and we're just going to slot them in and usually it's not a whole lot of issue because they're already pretty wired to play the role they are already going to be set up with the right character they're going to fall into this pretty naturally i think the biggest issues i see they're surmountable depending on the other players and this is where sometimes i think grabbing somebody out of the 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock or the one o'clock or two o'clock position might be a good idea doing Mm -hmm. the command adjacent is because i have been in some situations where i've seen somebody get vetoed by a player revolt because that person's too bossy they're Too commanding not just in the game but in the metagame i don't like the decisions i think they're going to make i mean this is going back years this is nothing recent this is like high school college years but chad i will let you make (laughs) a guess and you'll probably pretty quickly figure out who it is who was it that used to always veto you from command positions bim no no bim actually had no problem with it Mm, uh, who was most paranoid about yep
1: yeah yeah.
0: Because he always wanted to be captain as well. It was you in particular. Mm-hmm. He was hyper paranoid. Right. He just knew what you were going to do. And I would always try to talk him down from that. And
1: Which is I, hilarious because I've never actually been a captain yeah, in any role-playing game. But, I've never been the, the top leader in any role-playing game I've
0: ever played. But man, he just, he had that all figured out. And yeah, he would create this popular revolt. Every time it looked like you were headed for command position. You want to know why you never played command position? Mm-hmm. Because that was why. Yeah. Because I had to look for some kind
2: of compromise. But here, that that's the mm-hmm. biggest problem. What is, if you have two players that are like that, though? They both want to be captain, and they don't trust the other to be captain. Well, okay, good
0: question. Let me finish this answer, and then we'll chew on that one. Because I know the answer to that one. The answer on the original question, though, is I think the biggest thing you have to deal with is it's not inter-party or intra-party. This is intra-player beef. Yes. That you have to make sure that you're not going to have someone freaking out because that person is the captain.
1: There will always be petty jealousies in any group of humans. And I'm not saying that Mike or even role-playing game groups will split and have terrible times over this and it's all a big drama thing on choosing a captain for a spaceship on an imaginary spaceship. But, hell, even little old ladies in a knitting circle will argue about who gets to be in charge. It's just a human nature thing. Yeah, it it is absolutely human nature.
0: I've said many times, Mm -hmm. and I'll tell you yet again, there have been psych and sociology studies on this. Humans factionalize as soon as they're free. The only number of humans that don't factionalize is two. They create a working dynamic, usually where one is dominant but
1: they create a working dynamic and go with it. People want order and they want to be and led is not the same word because no one will say, well, I want to be led. People want guidance. They want authority. They want leadership. They want goals to be attained. They want yeah. responsibility to be delegated. They want to be trusted, but at the same time, they also don't want to have someone over them. You have uh,
0: steps of leaders. Oh, good God, this one. This is one I also got a lot of pushback on in any of these games. Even if we talk about, like in our next episode, about general command and social structures, mm. not necessarily bridge group, was if there's somebody in charge, why am I showing up? What do you mean? Right. Well, because they're basically going to make that. every decision. They're going to tell me everything to do. It's like, wait a minute. Okay. You have a boss at
1: work. Right. Have you ceased to be an individual? Okay, so... I've been sitting on this for a little while, for this, this whole episode, waiting to slot this in. I have advice. The advice is, so you've been chosen to be captain. <laughs> what does that mean? What do you do? How do you be the good captain, right? A good captain is someone from which authority flows out. Yes. You have players who are in these positions. And these positions are under you. They are your friends. You love them. They love you. You don't lord over them. You don't lord over them in role play. You don't lord over them in real life. Yeah. So in the role play, in the story, and how it should be in real life anyway, is authority flows from you to them. You delegate responsibility to them. You don't say, you do this, go here, do that. You say, okay, guys, here's what we need to do. I want to hear ideas. What do we got? Yeah. What can we do? So-and-so, you're really good at this. I want to hear this. And it's like, well, um, well, maybe we can hit him like this. Wayne might say, well, no, no, we, we can't quite do that. And like, okay, I like where you guys are going. I want you two to hash it out. And give me a plan. Yeah, well, and depending on the game,
0: this is something that I work pretty hard to enforce. Let's say you're playing a typical game of Star Trek. The ship you're on is probably going to have somewhere between 200 and 500 crew members. Mm -hmm. Okay, you represent that in the game by people playing department heads. Someone's the chief engineer, someone's the chief medical officer, someone's the helmsman, etc., etc., etc. And the captain cannot command 200 to 500 people. I mean, maybe by fiat, but Mm -hmm. not in any reality. They have to give general directives. If you've ever played under a Star Trek game of mine, even just the ship combat, one of the things I famously do is you've got 10 seconds to talk. At the end of 10 seconds, the players are no longer allowed to talk to each other because now we go to the consoles and either the captain got his or her ideas out or he or she did not, and this now has to play out. If we do this in a game like Battletech, You know, let's say Wayne's pouting a big heavy hitter, like he's got a Warhammer or an Annihilator or something like that. And Chad can tell him, you know, hey, I know there's several mechs coming down this path. I need you to hold them until we wrap up the fast movers over here so they don't flank us. Then that doesn't mean Chad gets to tell Wayne every Mm -hmm. round what weapon to shoot, what dice to roll. In fact, I mean, I would, as the game master, I don't believe Chad would do so for the reason you just gave. I mean, this is... If he's
2: doing it, he's a micromanager, and he's a bad
1: manager. Yeah, Yeah, well, why why is Wayne here? You know, it's like, I don't even need the past to be I need those big guys tied up for a few minutes. I won't say this. I don't care how you do it. That's your job to figure that out. So, another thing, your job as captain... So let's go back to imaginary Star Trek and imaginary ship and imaginary game here. Your job as captain is not to order your friends sitting at the table around it's not to order their characters around your job as captain is to understand that every single character has motivation and desire and it is your job as captain to within reason and limit make that motivation and desires happen yeah do they want promotion do they want to see action do they want to expand their character? Are they afraid of something and maybe they don't know, it, but they need to overcome that fear. You make that happen. Does that mean that like the guy who has fears and he needs to overcome them? Does that mean you sit down with them and you say, you know, you really should face those fears. No, but you move the pieces around. You have this authority where you can start putting bugs in people's ear. You can suggest, okay, well, we're not going to send Insane Afraid of the Dark into the plant of darkness. We're going to do something else here. But you don't call Insane Afraid of the Dark out, right? You have Corporal Promotion who wants to get promoted. You don't say, okay, well, if you do this for me, I'm going to see about getting you that promotion. No, you give him opportunities. You give him opportunities that are punching just a little bit above his weight, but you know they're doable but you give him orders and opportunities to show that he is worthy of promotion. And then suddenly he's promoted. You don't even say the promotion's coming from me. This was my grand plan. Look how smart I am. You just make all the ships around you rise up. Yeah. I I think it's something like this. Let's say we Airbnb
0: out a relatively large property and like a group of us, say eight of us show up there. There's, X number of bedrooms, there's a kitchen, somebody's got to be making sure it's food in there and food prepped. There's only a set number of bathrooms, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What you need at this point is somebody to step up and to provide structure. Mm -hmm. Not to do things like say, okay, you're going to go into this room and unpack your luggage this way and sort it out this way. And you get pool time from noon to three. Wayne's in charge of the food. Here's the shopping list I wrote, and the menu cook it like this. Yeah, exactly. It's an arrow. You point it in the right direction, you let it go. You need somebody to come in there and to say, okay, we've got only so many bedrooms set up for couples. These are the couples we've got, so this is how we're going to work that out. We've got two rooms for couples and three sets of couples. Wayne and
1: I get a bed. Everybody else gets screwed. Sure. Well, Wayne gets screwed. Wayne gets screwed. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody else gets screwed. No one else. But someone who provides
0: order within structure, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: not someone who provides constant and endless direction. Because not only is that annoying to your friends, not only is that unfair, and if that starts to become the issue, I think at this point the game master needs to get involved or the players need to get involved, not the characters, the players at the metagame level, and say, hey, we're not having fun. And you got to talk about this, say, look, we either need you to back off this a bit, or if you're not going to back off of it, then we might have to change up how the crews ordered but two of these real world examples that came to mind about how this works because what we're talking about here is teamwork and synergy and i'm a big believer in the concept of servant leadership which was codified in some dude's book but actually even though he only semi-credits it as such uh, is actually a new testament biblical concept but servant leadership the idea is that everyone in a group provides a benefit to that group if chad's a good cook then when we go to this airbnb chad's taking care of the food he just tells us how much money we each need to chip in and that's what we do you know if wayne's good at getting the electronics set up and we want to have a big connect fight or whatever the hell we're doing i don't even know
1: land party because it's 1988 yeah (laughs) i mean
0: you i guess you can kind of still do a land party with a bunch of switches or something then that's wayne's job to set that up and we're not going to get in his way on and on and on. And we give these people direction and get out of their way because to get in their way is highly ineffective, both because we're limiting their skills. We're tying up somebody else's time too much.
2: I and, think where people struggle with it is once somebody has a title, yeah. they now have command over other people because this is a normal thing in gaming where everybody has things they do. They come together. The group has whatever they're going to do. But if they don't have that title, that's why I think people really struggle with it, is this person is now my superior that is a fellow gamer that's sitting next to me. Yeah, And I've been sitting here thinking about this. This is something I've struggled with in gaming. I don't think I have ever run a game with a command structure. Right. I've looked back through thinking every game I've ever run, the closest was a one-shot that they were in the, uh, the militia. Mm-hmm. But... Commands weren't really a big thing in that one shot because of the story that was being told. But yeah, I have never run a game with a command structure. I look at the superhero games I've run. There's never been an official team leader in any of them. A team leader always evolves, always comes out. Every game, a leader comes out and that person becomes the leader. But never been a conversation beforehand preparing the game. This person is the leader and they have a title. So I'm going to give you guys three
0: real world examples of where I've seen this both go well and go poorly. The first one I'm going to give is Real Dungeon. For anyone who doesn't know what Real Dungeon is, Real Dungeon is an abstracted form of D&D that's played with both dice and also these almost like air hockey, like puck type tables where they have like a picture of the monster and you like slide the puck. There's all
1: kinds of different puzzles. Yeah, yeah. And,
0: and, then, and it's all very... Funny games. It, it's all hands-on. Like, you walk yeah. into a room, maybe there's a monster to fight, maybe there's not. If there's no monster to fight, they're going to give you clues, there's puzzles to solve, it's all very hands-on, you actually have to figure out which bricks-in-the-wall move.
2: I think they're at multiple conventions now, but we experienced it at Gen Con.
0: Yeah, Gen Con is their big one. They do have other ones that they do as well. And the whole thing is set up in an enclosed structure, you walk through it, it looks like a dungeon. They do all this stuff to control the atmosphere in there. And uh, there's particular lighting. You have narrators for each room. You have a certain amount of time to solve each room. You track hit points. You play different classes, and then you carry around tokens that represent different gear and, and so on and so forth. I'm not explaining It's those. kind
2: of like blending A role-playing game, a LARP, and an escape room all into one before escape rooms were a thing. So let me
0: tell you, here's what I observed in my time in Real Dungeon, which is first off, when you play a role, they give you enough to do in that role. You don't have time to mess with other people's roles. In almost every run I have done, I have played the cleric because one, I have a healer's mindset. I'm a great healer in any game I play it in tabletop, role-playing game, video game, whatever. That is where I am at my best as healers. But when I play the healer in True Dungeon, they give you prayer beads, and each one looks only slightly different. And when you go to cast a healing spell, or any of your spells, if you cast it, they will ask you, like, say, show me the bead for valor. And if you show them the bead for valor, the spell casts at an overpower. If you can't show them that bead or show them the wrong bead... Then you cast it at half power. And every class has abilities like this. The druids have to memorize leaves, literally like this is an oak leaf, this is an elm leaf. The wizards have to memorize like planar symbols. Every class has a mechanic like this where things get a little bit weirder, a little bit hands-on. And first of all, I am playing the healer because one, I am good at knowing when to heal, how to heal, and who to heal. And secondly, because within about five or ten minutes, I can develop a mnemonic poem in my own head to remember those beats. There's the first one shaped like a brain or whatever, and so I can be like, the mind brings courage. Next to that is valor. So the mind brings courage, and valor follows courage. Acts of valor follow thoughts of courage. And I'll do this until I'm through all 12 beads or however many there are. And when they ask me to show the bead, I'm doing this poem in my head, and it's like, flip, 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 flip this one get the right beat i've never once missed a beat you know what i can't do in that time hmm. i usually get done early and so i can walk around and say hey how are everybody doing here need help johnny's stuck on something so and so you stuck on something you know broder is this not one of yeah. the leaves you usually smoke <laughs> and you know whatever and maybe provide them some tips or something or be just present so they're a little less mm-hmm. stressed because man they rush you and it does feel stressful
1: but I have to say, I'm actually not a fan of True Dungeon. I've ran it, I believe, twice. Yeah, and well, it's, I, it's a little too go, 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 do, do, do. I do not feel that I have the breathing room to enjoy the experience. But,
0: but the point is, and I don't know, we, we could debate that. And I don't entirely disagree with you. But the point being, though, that this is how it works. And when I get into a room, one of the runs, Chad is playing the rogue. Mm -hmm. and the rogue one of their mechanics is they have to do lock picking and the way they do lock picking is they give you a metal wand and the metal wand fits into a groove between two metal sides so it's kind of like the board game operation operation. operation. with a snake yeah i'm
2: not giving that to you Dan. so (laughs) yeah
0: you so you have to follow that path without bumping either side so you bump either side it completes a circuit and sets off a buzz and you lose and whatever's in that chest is gone forever whereas if you open it you get treasure you get clues you can get health back you get all kinds of things well first of all i have micro tremors so i'm not going to play this game because if i do it's just going to be interesting to see how many inches i make it before i buzz it not whether i make it to the end but the other thing is I got enough of my own crap going on, mm-hmm. so when Chad was sitting down there and he was doing this thing, I can stand there and watch quietly. I'm not even gonna so much as give the dude advice because me right. talking to him, I'm just stressing him out, and distracting him. Mm-hmm. And I'm a relatively positive presence to Chad, I would assume. Yeah, but even still, it's like you know, to watch him quietly is one thing. Just like if someone was to start telling me my beads while I'm trying to recite my poem.
1: Yeah. Now you've just screwed me up. Behind you, you're doing your poem and they start beatboxing.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's like you need to get out of my way. All Uh, right. Now there was a similar thing that wasn't part of the roles. Pat, rest Mm -hmm. his soul. He was an electrical engineer, an engineer of some kind. He had, I don't know, a bunch of
1: major electrical engineering, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So he he was an engineer. We went into a puzzle room they had set up where they had a laser in one. Sphere. They're like these spheres on posts, okay? And the spheres can all rotate 360 degrees. And you had to rotate it such that the laser bounced off of mirrors in every sphere and then reflected to a particular target point at the end. And we were in there. It was our group and they added about three or four more jackasses to us. And when we walked in there, I took one look at this and I'm like the person here with the best mind for it, it's Pat. Pat, what do we do? I'm not even going to try. This, this mm-hmm. is, if it's, there was a language game, this would be mine. But this is not a language game. This is a visual engineering design game. Pat can picture us in his head, doodle us out, and have this done in seconds. And I would say, Pat, you're on, go. And there was this dude on the other, in our co group mm-hmm. that I didn't want in there, that would not shut up and would not let Pat work. And he took control of everything and did basically the opposite of everything Pat was saying we needed to do and i think pat was about to put his head through the wall but you want to guess whether we passed that room or not probably not we did not we didn't even come close and it turns out pat had the solution from the start They wouldn't listen to him
2: we had the same thing and there was a slider puzzle in one of them and i've been doing a lot of slider puzzles like recently but we had somebody in the group that wasn't part of our group, and they knew how to do slider puzzles. Yeah. And they spent the whole time, and we ran out of time. I can tell run. you how
0: to do a slider puzzle in five numbers. One, two, three, seven, four. If you don't know what that is, then I'll try and demonstrate it in some later episode.
2: Well, and it will goes back to, like you were saying, the right person in the right role. One of the things we know about Pat, when it came to like video games and things, or role-playing games, if he has the, a nuke, he's not going to use it. Mm-hmm. He's gonna sit on it, so you don't want him to be, say, the wizard in a game like this, because he's not gonna want to use his spells because he might need them later. And I think you can have the same thing as you're picking people for different roles, you know, on a bridge crew. If you know that personality is there, of this person is too cautious, they're not going to don't yeah, put don't push put the, the
1: weapon weapons off.
2: Put, put exactly. them
0: to something their personality fits. Yeah, and I remember. We were playing a game of World of Warcraft years back, and we were in, I think it was uh, Upper Blackrock Spire. No, it was Lower Blackrock Spire. The Because the, lower was... The fun one. Yeah. Uh, whichever one it was, it was lower level. I don't remember. It was either upper or lower. Whichever one was lower level. And we were dealing with one of the bosses, and I was playing a healer, Chad was playing a damaged guy and I think we had somebody else in there. I don't remember who, who's playing a tank mm-hmm. and we decided to rotate <laughs> that. Like I was going to t- heal tank. So as the healer, I was going to tank. I think the, no,
1: I, I was playing, I believe a warlock and I had an argument with the tank that I could actually tank better than he could. And I did. Cause I, but I it was a joke. Yeah. It became a joke. I mean, we were like laughing about it and you know, it was, everyone's having fun. But the
0: point is that's not how you would normally do it. Normally you would put people to their personality and to their skills. You know, if you're setting up an MMO, you know, and you need to know this group's gonna run effectively, you're gonna make Chad your damage dealer, you're gonna make me your healer. That's just how Wayne, I just haven't played enough of these games with you to right. know. So I I'm know. not
2: you guys all know I'm not a big MMO guy. I don't I'm a solo. I'm I don't like doing a lot of online gameplay. Yeah. No. But I tend to be a healer as well because I f I wanna feel like I can contribute. And I don't tend to be the guy that's doing the most damage in any situation. But if I'm healing, I feel accomplished. Mm-hmm. Like I'm really adding to something.
0: Yeah. But this was true. I mean, we did tend to have de facto stronger and weaker personalities. When we did True Dungeon, there was nobody we appointed as the team captain. Even though in some of these runs we probably should have. <laughs> but we never appointed anyone as the team captain. But at least within our own group, we had the sense to know each other's strengths, and when it was time for so-and-so to go, to shut up and let them work. And if you've got a role-playing game or you need somebody in charge, that's the attitude they need to have. Let me give you a second and very similar example, which is escape rooms. If you don't know what an escape room is, I don't know if they're popular outside of the U.S. I, I just simply have no idea. Maybe they're more popular outside Go into a room,
1: lock it, and try to escape.
0: Yeah, precisely. They
1: lock you in a room that has a chain of
0: puzzles leading up to escaping the room and they have some kind of setup. There's office you're in and you have to figure out where they're hiding foreign intelligence before they come back from their lunch break in an hour or whatever it is, or there's a nuke about to land and you have to find the disarm code and you have got 45 minutes to do
2: it. Yeah. Example, the one that we did together, it was the president has been rushed downstairs to the bunker and the missiles are on their way. And, we have to figure out the codes to the defense system.
0: Yeah, the disarming box or the abort box for some reason was left up in the Oval Office. <laughs> I mean, whatever. It, it was a silly premise, but who cares? It was fun. All right, and so we had to do two major things. One, we had to shut off the nuke, and then two, we had to... Op- two, we had to be a bad enough dude to save the president. Oh, we were bad dudes, <laughs> man. Ronald Reagan took us out so many hamburgers, <laughs> but... Then I think we also had to unlock the exit door, but that was a secondary objective. The first one was to stop the nuke. And when we played that game, man, we we knew each other. Mm-hmm. There was yeah. no randos in this. It was all of us. It was like me, Chad, John, uh, Wayne, my brother, Tex. I'm blank. Sarah, Carla, Pat and Sarah. Pat, Pat, Pat yeah. Sarah. Carl. Okay, so Carla was there. Uh, whoever was there, man, we knew each other. We knew each other's strengths and weaknesses. We knew how to work together. We communicated well. We had this rhythm. From the split set, we walked in there. It's like, we just split. Yeah, we split. And somebody shouted, found a blue key. It's like, toss over here. We're going to put those on the desk. Nobody argued. You threw it over to that person. They put them on the desk. Found a yellow key. Add it to the desk. Uh, you know, Found a paper file with a bunch of notes on it, other side of the desk. Mm-hmm. And then be like, okay, I need a key. What keys do we have on the desk? Somebody run over ground. We got these five. Okay. Try these five in turn. Which one works?
2: Yeah. One of the cool things was when people would seem to get stuck, occasionally I would see, because I know I did this, you take the puzzle you're on, you switch it, you go and look at what someone else is doing yeah. and then offer, hey, I've got a different set of eyes, different perspective. Did you think about this? And then you go back to your puzzle fresh. It's kind of the same thing with the command structure of, let's say I'm captain. Chad is the chief engineer. Never captain. Yeah, never <laughs> captain chad is the chief engineer dan is the science officer chad's struggling to come up with an idea because my idea is how do i become captain yeah.
1: it's just not
2: a realistic exactly. idea at so all. so dan comes over It's like okay you can become captain if we kill wayne
1: <gasps> okay well this is a different kind of game but
2: but I mean, the idea is just because you're in one role doesn't mean that you're right. giving yeah. all of the answers for that role new ideas you know, new sets of eyes and just conversation and debate. People tend to think that command structure means I'm shoehorned into only doing this. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, and you can also reach across the aisle on occasion. I mean, you can have a thing where it's like, you know what? Chad's the first officer. Wayne's the captain. Chad never gets to play the captain (laughs) for this one episode. Can we have Wayne be like, he's lost most of his memories to an alien entity. (laughs) And so Wayne still gets to play his character, but Chad's now the acting captain until don't this. do patronize me. This,
1: but, <laughs> but you know, or something like, and we. I had, don't want to be the pat on the head, captain.
0: But we've had this with other things in games like Star Trek, where we beam down, and maybe the chief science officer isn't down there, right? But the chief medic is, and they're trying to figure out a rock formation. And the Chad, chief,
1: you're captain of science,
0: and the, the chief <laughs> medic nice. had a uh, an elective. And rocks for jocks. right? And so here she knows a little bit of geology, and so they mm-hmm. figure out what's going on down there, even though that's they're not the chief science officer. So you can do some reaching across the aisles. And that escape room, by the way, to tell you how that ended, when we worked together that well, was we finished that, that escape room. We were the second best time they had ever seen. Mm-hmm. We walked out of there, out of the hour. They said most people didn't succeed. We succeeded with like 15, 20 minutes left. And then we're just allowed to play with things. So we get our money's worth. <laughs> they said the only time they'd seen that was better was a group came in that professionally sets up escape rooms, knew all the tricks and everything mm-hmm. probably had seen most of these puzzles before. And they were just kind of there seeing however their folks do it. That's the only group that ever beat us. So the last example that I'm going to give, and a little bit ago I mentioned servant leadership. Well, here's the concept of servant leadership. If you have a kitchen At like a restaurant, you understand that somebody plays an important role because they were hired to sweep the floors. So when the floors are dirty, they may be the lowest person on the totem pole, but that's what they do, and they're necessary to the organization. You see them as a bottom-of-the-pole servant, right? But the right attitude to servant leadership, once again, as it was laid out in this book from, I believe it was the 70s, drawn largely from New Testament teachings... Is the idea that the leader also is a servant and the service they provide is organization and order that enables people to use their gifts, to use their abilities and to shine when it's the right time for them to shine. Not to replace them, not to crush them down, to use the Bible's phrase, not to lord it over them, but to say, look. There's three people yelling. My job here is to provide order based on what's going on. So and so is the right person to talk. Let's hear them. Okay, good ideas. Let's hear the next person. Let's hear the next person. That's their job. Leading is the service they provide to the rest of the group. Now, it's that attitude that I carried into the third one because who technically owns Hear the Boot? Wayne.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
1: Uh, you know, who... He's the one who gets all the girls.
0: If push came to shove, and tomorrow we all decided we independently wanted to, for some reason, all shove everyone else off the show, who is the only one person that could plausibly do that? My second joke would be Charlie. <laughs> but it's you! He's got yeah. farts that could. Yeah. <laughs> if you wanted this room empty,
1: believe it, it'd be empty.
0: Holy crap, that dog. But... But,
1: no, you, you're the one who put up the risk, the capital, sure. the Visa gold card. Who yeah. Yeah, owns the
0: IPs, yeah. who has the copyrights the, and
1: all that stuff. Yeah, you do all the
2: The one stuck doing the taxes.
0: Yeah. But when Wayne came to me and said, you know what, I'm fired up to redo the Patreon, how much should I get in your way? Not at all. It's like, Wayne's a smart guy. Wayne can do math. He said he was going to run everything you past. You can do math. He <laughs> said he was going to run everything past the group anyway. He's been around the block, you know, blah, blah, blah. Why do I need to be involved in this? You know, I'll check his work before he posts it because he was giving it to all us to check anyway. It'd be kind of mm-hmm. rude not to. So sure. I'll look his work over and see if I noticed anything like eh, technically legally, we can't do that or something. But beyond that, it's so I'm it's out of the dude's way, let him do his thing. Mm-hmm. What's it going to help him if I'm in his way? And what's it going to help me? If I discourage him and he quits working, we both lose. And so I need a happy Wayne. Wayne wants to be a productive Wayne. We've got a love connection here. I need to shut up and go away. I let you guys outvote me all the time on what we're doing with this show. You know, unless there's something, once again, I have some really strong legal or financial concern about. I don't, I mean, do I ever drop, you know, the it's my ball sort of veto? And I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here, but I'm just making a point about an organization that has run. Yes, it had a few hiccups within the first year or two but overall has run amazingly smoothly and done very well with a very, very unusual group of people for 14 years. And I think that success speaks to the fact that we have found a group dynamic that works. You know, sometimes I have the show ideas. This one came from Chad. Sometimes Wayne has the show ideas and
1: he has great show ideas. And so Sometimes Chris has show ideas and we just that are not never that dial them in uh, not yeah. at all. I mean, <laughs> which is a command decision because we're not crazy. So. Yeah. I mean, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You've got to understand that
0: there's one guy in security who's just a sadist and You're it's right. probably best not to like, ever give him a phaser, mm-hmm. but you know, don't okay, get jokes about Chris aside. Chris <laughs> really is a good guy. I swear. But <laughs> you know, the point is in all three of these examples, what you see is people appreciating the strengths of others and getting out of the way. I'm going to use, we did tarot in one of the recent episodes and talked about neo-paganism. So I'm going to give one brief analogy from Christianity. And once again, I promise I'm not stumping religion. It's just, this is a useful literary thing, which is the Bible talks about how groups of people are like bodies with many parts that I'm not a foot Wayne's not a hand. Chad's not an eye. Thank you for saying not saying ass. (laughs) You're saying you're not an ass. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for
1: not saying ass.
0: Right. Okay. Well, the point being, though, that that doesn't mean any of us are not important. If I'm the eye and Wayne is the hand, well, if I can see, but I have no ability to touch and move, what use is my seeing? And if Chad, let's say, is the foot and he's what walks us from place to place, what use are the eye and the hand stuck forever immovably in one place? You know, you see how these parts Mm -hmm. work together and there may be one part, there may be the brain that has to provide guidance to all of it, but a brain in a jar is relatively useless, you know, to to all these practical exercises are some weird sci-fi twilight zone episodes aside. But, you know, these, these are fairly obvious examples And that's what a structure of command ought to be like is let's say we're talking Star Trek. If Wayne is the head of engineering, he's the hand. And if I'm trying to be the hand, I'm screwing up. But as the captain, it's my job to be the brain, right? So Chad is the eyes. He's playing the navigator. He tells me something and I, as the brain say
1: never captain.
0: (laughs) And what I say in in my brain is, uh Oh, we're going to need more thrust and shields to get through the asteroid belt we're being tumbled into. And so I make a call down to Wayne, once again, not to turn the knobs and flip the levers, but to tell Wayne what needs to be done while I'm working with you to see is there any way we can not hit these things. <laughs> you know, is there any last-minute thing? And maybe some of the helmsman comes up with an idea of, hey, give me a little bit of power to the phasers and maybe I can bump some of the bigger asteroids out of the way that the shields can't take.
1: I'm Navigator. I say, well, you know what? Maybe if there's a command opportunity on a ship for me in the future, maybe we won't hit an asteroid. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, who knows what could happen
2: as commander? I wouldn't have said that to the Tholians. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care how big their asses are. (laughs) Speaking of opportunities, this is probably a horrible idea, but would you ever run a game where you haven't defined that structure on the first session. So sit down, you not sure who's going to be captain and you say, okay, we're going to have an NPC captain for the first two games and he's going to die in session two. Absolutely. And it works wonderful because
1: I, uh, if you've ever ran lasers and feelings, one page RPG from the guy who did, uh, blades in the dark, John Harper, it is star Trek with the serial numbers filed off, but it's, it's cheesy, but it is only as cheesy as the players make it. It doesn't have to be a joke. But the whole setup is that the captain got a brain parasite and is in stasis. What do you do? And that's the sort of start of it, right? And you play like an episode of Totally Not Star Trek. And yeah, so, and nobody, it doesn't say, well, you're this and you're that, because there's no archetypes, right? You just, you choose your lasers or your feelings number, you know, because it's a range. You can look it up. It's And and
0: our whole episode was sponsored by a boil of cornbread. Right, (laughs) right.
1: And... So, nobody gets declared, well, you're first officer, you're this, you're that, you're this. It, it just sort of happens. You just sort of say what you are. And it works great in that situation. Yeah. If I were running, like, Star Trek and it was yeah, a DYO campaign sort of thing, no. A lot of it is because it has to do with military. Even though right. Star Trek, at least next-gen type stuff, doesn't really necessarily seem military, It's military. There's ranks, there's a command structure, there's jobs, there's duties, you're given orders. And if you don't have that, well, you could do that, but if you play Klingons, everybody shows up and they just have the skills they are and the toughest guy's on top. You know, that
2: story works.
0: You disagree with the captain, you beat his ass down,
1: and you take his position.
2: Yeah, or you shut up and don't. Yeah, (laughs) If you don't think you could take him. So I think the reason I kind of like this idea of having an NPC captain that's defined as being going to be killed in Mm -hmm. session two or so, is because I've played with a lot of people who have no idea who their character is until they've played it. And at that point, you have two sessions in where the characters have been played and they've been defined. You know, Maybe now there's an obvious choice of who the captain should be when you've got two people that are both up for the promotion.
0: So I tell you, when I'm actually going to ice where you're going with this because I think it deserves more time than we've got to give it. But we're going to come back to command more in the next mm-hmm. episode, and we're going to move from talking about specifically the captain of a bridge to the structures of command in general. So soldiers in the trenches, and one of the topics we'll hit on, and I made a note of it here so I don't forget, is what do you do if there's an undefined, I'm going to put captain in quotation marks, so it could be a leader of any mm-hmm. kind. You have a tribe of survivors who, from a crashed airplane, there was nobody in charge to begin with. You know, It's looks more like the cast and crew of Clue of, you know, you've mm-hmm. got the accountant and the butler and the <laughs> mom trying to get her kid home and whatever. And So a normal game that I run. Yeah, exactly. And But somewhere out of that, humans organize. And mm-hmm. so what does that look like? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're, we're going to come back to this next
1: episode. Another thing we need to hit, too, maybe on this next episode is the level below captain. We mentioned yeah. it a little bit on this episode. Yeah, we got to make a note of that. So first officer, well, middle like, management. Yeah, well, so okay. like, think Star Trek. All the people in Star Trek that you like, you have Worf, Data, Scotty, Bones, all those people, right? They're not engineering and security and science officer and all that. They're more than that. They are the heads of department. So you have your captain, and then you have all of the players on the show or the players in your game who aren't actually the navigator. They are the navigator who is in charge of the other navigator.
0: So I have made this and more notes. I'm going to force ice it here because I don't want to turn this into a three-hour show. Mm-hmm. But I have, I've been making furious notes here. Which, on a napkin. Yeah, well, and we can continue to discuss these after the recording's
1: off. But... I am going to stop this one here, so it's Dan, safe. we have a Patreon. We don't have to take notes on napkins anymore. <laughs> we got chairs. We could afford a notebook for you. Dude. <laughs> uh, I I don't know if
0: I should say this or not. The but. funny
2: thing was he, when we started talking about this downstairs, he went over to get a napkin. He could have gone somewhere else to get paper, but he got up to go get a napkin it, to bring specifically back to work. that
1: I mean, I will admit, yeah. it is a large very nice napkin.
0: I, I'm you know I, t- I I'm not gonna get into it because I don't like talking about the show's finances. If anyone really wants to know they can ask, but I have never wanted to make Fear of the Boot a cash driven effort, nor mm-hmm. nor to spend our days ebagging or things like that or trying to guilt you guys. I'm just gonna say that uh, we appreciate the patreon. There are other things afoot, and so th- the napkin will suffice. <laughs> but uh with with that said, Thank you guys for tuning in. We hope you have a great week and great games. And we're going to be back, not with a part two per se, but a very, very organically related show next time. And we will see you then. See yeah. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2020. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at FearTheBoot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at Patreon.com FearTheBoot.